So, um, <laughs> I don't know what to do with the plan I have for today, uh, but we'll, we'll go for it. We'll see what happens. Um, today, I was going to start off talking about one of my tricks when I can't go to sleep at night. Uh, usually, I, I talked about this a couple of weeks. Usually, I hit my pillow, and within 30 seconds, I'm asleep. And if that doesn't happen for some reason, I just know I'm going to be awake for two hours. It's like I'm either asleep right away or I'm awake for a while. And one of the tricks that I have when I really can't go to sleep is that I YouTube, um, and don't judge me for this, I go and I YouTube uh, videos with uh, chiropractors treating uh, patients. <laughs> because I just like really love the sounds of the cracks. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like really soothing to me to hear things go snap back in place, right? Be where they're supposed to be. Um, it's just very funny, and I know that, and it's weird, but it helps me to calm down for some reason. When my mind is racing and I just am stressed or I just not want to do everything all at once, uh, sometimes chiropractor videos calm me down enough to go to sleep. And uh, I saw this, the first video I ever saw of a chiropractor was this kid, um, I th think it was from Australia. He was young, seven, like 17 or 16, and he went to pull a root out of the ground and trying all that hard and not having good form, he severely messed up his back and he couldn't even stand up straight. And within a couple of weeks, he was standing up straight. He, like, he was stuck like that for over a year. And then he went to go see this doctor and his doctor helped put all of his back back in place. And uh, I just, like, from then on, I love these videos because I just love watching things get put back into the right place. The sound of the pops is, like, comforting to me because, oh, it's like, okay, everything is back there. I even, like, I even sometimes, well, I don't look for these, but sometimes they come up. I look for, like, sh when videos of shoulders that are out of socket, and I to see the person snap it back into place. I just, like, I, I think that's really gross. I don't like those videos, but I watch them if they come up because I just love seeing the relief on the person's face, the emotion that comes out, and I love seeing things that were out of place go back into place. And we start here because this is a really backdoor way of saying that today we're here to talk about prayer. And our main idea for today is that prayer is alignment. For three weeks, this is our third week, and for every week we've been talking about an aspect of prayer. And I come up here and say prayer is something, right? We've talked about prayer, prayer is presence. Panim, the Hebrew word panim, which means presence most of the time. But literally it means being face-to-face -face with somebody. Right? Prayer is presence, seeking this time to be with someone who is worthy of being with. Prayer is presence. Our attempt, our human attempts of looking at God face to face, of being in the same place with him, of giving him time and attention for us to meet him and just gaze at him, hear him. Last week, we came up here and we talked about how prayer is Shema. Prayer is listening. That prayer isn't just this transaction of us unloading on the Lord, but it's us of sitting where he is and listening to him. Uh, I found this quote. I knew this quote last week, uh, but I, I just didn't fit it in. I just didn't have the time or didn't want to. Uh, there's this really famous interview that Mother Teresa did that some of you might remember. She was interviewed by Dan Rather, and he, when he asked her about prayer, he said, when you pray, what do you say to God? 
which is the normal question. When you pray, what do you say to God? And Mother Teresa said, I don't say anything, I listen. And then Dan Rather's follow-up question to that was, well, okay, when God speaks to you, what does he say? And her response to him was, he doesn't say anything, he listens. And I just like love the picture of that, of just when you have true intimacy with someone, the talking usually isn't even that important. The listening happens both ways. The Lord loves being with us, and it is the joy of our lives to be with him in prayer, to just sit in his presence and just gaze at him, hear his voice, feel his reassurance, feel when he's in the room and when he's not. And so today we're coming up here and we're continuing our sermon series and we're saying that prayer is alignment. Uh, the definition of alignment is this, it's uh, to an arrangement in a straight line or in correct or appropriate relative positions or a position of agreement uh, and of alliance. Like prayer is our act to go before God and say, you are God, not me. Bring me into line. Prayer is this decision that we make to make to carve time out of our routines, of our life, of the busyness of everything, and say, God, you're God. You're the God here. I'm your servant, and you're the master. You're the master builder. I'm the laborer. You are the Lord. I am just me. Prayer is us going to him and saying, Lord, move me to where I should be. Move me to you. And so to remind us of our definition of prayer that we're working on, we're not actually adding anything, but we're taking a look at one of the pieces that's already in there. Our definition says this. It says that prayer is an act of listening to God that moves you towards God's presence, permission, and ultimately an experience of eternal life. And it needs to be done with all your heart and being. Today we're going to look at the portion that is really highlighting that it moves you towards God. It moves you towards being where you're at or on an island or all by yourself and you say, Lord, bring me to where you are. Lord, snap me in alignment with you. Put me back in all of the pieces of my broken heart, of my scattered soul, of my uh, preoccupied mind and just bring it all into your order. And so we're going to spend the rest of the day talking, well, the rest of the time we have today, discussing this. We're going to be in John chapter 14. Uh, and if you could stand for the reading of God's word as an act of reverence, as we hear what God has given to us. This is coming from the gospel of John. So this is Jesus's activity with humanity here on earth. And we're going to start in John chapter 14, verses one, verse 1. It says this, this is the word of the Lord. It says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This is Jesus' word. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would, have, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. And you, know that, and you know the way to where I am going. Excuse me. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? 
Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak out of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else I have, or else believe in the account of the works themselves. Verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whoever, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let's pray real quick. Lord, uh, I thank you. Thank you for your word. I pray that you would be with us today, speaking to all of our hearts and all of our souls about uh, the aligning work that prayer can do in our hearts and our souls and our minds in the direction of our lives and how we live them. Lord, I pray that you would continue to teach us to be a people who bend to you, who go to where you're going, who follow you, who listen to your voice. Lord, I thank you. And I just pray that you'd be with us today. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. All right. So, prayer is alignment. That's one of the functions of prayer is for us, dirt creatures, to have this posture of saying, Lord, I am not whole. I am not perfect. I cannot do these things in myself, uh, but you can because you are sovereign. You are Lord, and I am your servant. And so prayer is this aligning work of snapping us into place, of bringing our scattered soul into like unity, into one place, of not being so like uh, all over the place all the time, but being made into this one person who has this one pursuit to follow the Lord. And uh, before we dive into our passage for today, I, I want to lay out some groundwork for the whole book of John, because the whole book of John is consumed about this one part of Jesus's life unlike uh, the other Gospels. Unlike the other Gospels, they all talk about this. They all do a good job. But John, in writing of this Gospel, he was just so consumed with the Holy Spirit about Jesus' routine of getting away and being with the Lord. Right? More than any of the other Gospels, John depicts this Jesus. He tells Jesus' story and highlights when Jesus had to remove himself from everything from all of the madness around him, from all of the people and the busyness and the buzzing around him, from all of his like, like exploding public ministry, and he just gets away constantly, and he just wants to be with the Father. He just needs to be with the Father. Over and over again, John, John points this out. Jesus made time to have presence, panim, with the Lord, and he definitely listened to the Lord all the time. John chapter 5, 19 is one of these verses. He says, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. 
For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Right? This is Jesus, the Jesus, the Savior of everything. Jesus, who was there in the beginning. Right? The, John starts off with this beautiful poem about how Jesus is the Word of God, and he was uncreated. He has always been. He has always existed, and he spoke everything into being. He was this one who was there with God in his trinity and in his wholeness. And then when he comes here and he puts on our humanity over and over again, we see him talk like this. Jesus never did any of his Jesus-y things because he was Jesus. He did all of his Jesus-y things because he went to the Father all the time. He's like, I don't say anything on my own account I don't speak out of being who I am. I speak because I'm with the Father. I do what I see him doing. Right, John, a couple of verses later in John 5, 5.30, he says, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Over and over again, Jesus, who was himself perfect, went to the Father did not do things out of his own accord, but practiced presence, saw what the Lord was doing, and did exactly what he saw him doing. And this wasn't just like fluke. This wasn't just a, a two, off, two uh, verses off segment in John. John 8, 28. So Jesus said to him, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of my own authority, but speak as the Father has taught me. Right, like that's such a beautiful picture. Jesus himself taught by the Father. Like that, that should cause us to think a little bit about that. I love that. I love the play that Scripture gives us between the in, the intimacy between the Trinity, relying on each other, using one another in, in good ways. That sounds bad. Right. He goes on, John twelve forty nine. For I have not spoken out of my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And just for one more, just so that we have five. It says, uh, John 14, 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak out of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. And so Jesus routinely says no to all of the people following him to the thousands and thousands of people clamoring for him. He says no to his ministry that was taking off. He says no for a while to all of his disciples. He went out and prayed by himself without even those 12 guys to bother him from time to time. He says no to his detractors. Right? If he was around today, he wouldn't be reading the comment sections. He's probably out there praying somewhere listening and hearing what the Father is doing because that's what he wanted to do. And uh, Jesus brought himself into line all the time with three things, what God was doing, what God was saying, and what God was willing, like what he wanted to happen all the time. And so prayer is an alignment where we physically put our bodies somewhere where we take our minds and we settle it down and we wrestle with it at times to say, like, Lord, align me with what you are saying about me, about my life, about what I'm doing. Lord, take this scattered soul, take this soul that is, like, so hurt and wounded most of the time, confused and not knowing where I'm going often, and bring me under your authority. Pick me up from where I am and bring me to you. 
take care of me in such a way that you heal me and I am under your umbrella. The prayer is alignment. Prayer is this powerful act of us saying, Lord, I am not perfect. I am not God. I am not like you. So pick me up, heal me, and bring me to where you are because that's the place that I want to be. In prayer, you say that God is your God, that you are not your God, that God is greater than you, that God is smarter than you, that he is also more loving, more gracious, and more merciful than you will ever be. So Lord, I want to look like you. Prayer is alignment. Prayer is moving into looking more like Christ. And so let's get into the passage that we read for today. We have that, that foundation. Our Lord came here and modeled what it looked like to be pursuing, Je- pursuing the Father and all that he does. Jesus himself, right? The Jesus did this. And so what are the lessons that we take from this? Our, our first point from today's sermon, or from today's passage, is that Jesus is the way, and so ask. Uh, verses 1 to 4 are really cool. They're really cool. I've preached on them before here at, at City Life, and it's all about marriage. It's, Jesus is proposing to the church at all times in his ministry. Everything that he does in some way relates to how a man and a woman became engaged and then got married. And so verses 1 to 4 are really cool, and I'm like resisting every urge of mine to just go into that sermon right now, but we don't have time for that. But that is just so beautiful. He goes to prepare a room for us because that's how a husband prepared a space to marry his wife. And so Jesus is going, I'm going to heaven, I'm making a room in my father's house, and then I'll come back, and I'll bring you all to my house. He's proposing to all of us. We'll, but we'll preach that at some point this year. I love that sermon. And then verse six, is in, verse 6 and 7, it goes on, and he starts to talk about this interesting relationship between him and the Father being one. And at face, face value, it doesn't look like he's talking about prayer, but then he goes there. Uh, verse 6, it says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Really quick, uh, don't ever let anyone tell you that Jesus never claimed to be God, because he did in every way. This is like a clear, exclusive claim that, uh, claim that he is God himself, and so... Jesus is either a lunatic, a liar, or he is the savior. And that's a decision for all of us to make. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus has, like, is teaching his disciples this really interesting, intimate uh, lesson. That if you see Jesus, you see the Father. That if you see what Jesus does, you know what God himself is like because Jesus is God and they resemble one another because of this intimacy that they have. Because Jesus had been there and created everything, but then Jesus came here and shared every moment with the Father, pursued every desire that the Father had for him. Remember, right before that he was killed, he even like asked the Lord if there is another way, and there wasn't, and he went through with it. Because at every moment of Jesus' life, he aligned himself to the Father's will. At every moment, he had this prayer backed up pursuit of what God was doing. That no matter what Jesus wanted to see, he wanted to see the Father's will. Which is interesting for us to think about. And he has this interesting conversation with his disciples. He's like, you see me, you see the Father. You've always wondered what God is like. Look at me and you see him. You see what he cares about. You see what he does. You see what he has always been up to here on earth. Look at me and you see the Father. 
And then Philip asks him basically the same question again, like the disciples always do, like any one of us do, and how we do on a daily basis, asking him the same question for 15 years and not switching it up and also not hearing what he's actually saying to us, me included in that. Uh, he says, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough. He's like, you know what, like, Lord, okay, just, just do this thing, and it'll be good. We'll, we'll just know it, and we'll never question it again. How many times have you ever said that to the Lord as well? Just answer this one time, and I'll never answer again. Two hours later, you forget what he said, or you didn't hear it, and you're asking it again. It happens to me all the time. And he asks this, like, okay, just show us the Father, and Jesus is like, no, 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 like, you see me, and you see the Father. You see me, and you see the Father, because Jesus says, I'm not doing any of what I'm doing out of my own authority. I don't speak. I don't do the things that I do out of my own authority. And because I love Hebrew, every once in a while, give us some Greek, even though the Hebrew is so much better. The word for authority here is emautu, emautu. And it means authority, or it means initiation. Like Jesus is saying, I'm not doing this because this is what I want to do all the time, which brings other questions that we could easily answer, but it's not in the scope for today. He's like, I'm not here doing what I want to do. I'm here because the Father sent me, and I'm doing everything that he asked me to do. I'm doing all of these healings, and I'm doing all of these sermons, and I'm discipling these 12 people here because that's what God told me to do, because I spend time with him, and I have intimate moments with him, and he told me to do this, and so I am doing this. And Jesus could have taken the sermon anywhere that he could have gone. Remember, like, I think sometimes we read this and it's like, oh, it's always going to go here. And it was always going to go here. But Jesus could have used this moment to teach about anything. The Holy Spirit could have caused Jesus to say anything at every moment. But this is what he says in verse 12, 12 to 14. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I'll read that one again. Verse 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. It's interesting. Uh, it's interesting because that is also not many of our experiences. We ask, and we ask, and we ask. We have some Hannah situations like we preached on two weeks ago, where year after year, we're going after the Lord. And year after year, we're waiting. But prayer is also alignment. So we can't forget this piece of the equation. Prayer is us speaking our hearts out to the Lord who wants to hear us, but prayer is also, Lord, my heart is too big, and I need to fall in line with you. I need you to take me in your arms and teach me and heal me and grow me and put me in the places that you know that I need to be at. If we are people who are in presence prayer in our lives, if we are listening to the Father, and if we, like Jesus, are saying, like, Lord, use my whole life for your will. Train me to hear your voice. Teach me to speak when you're speaking. Teach me to go where you're going. God is a really good teacher. I think so many of us have so much shame and pressure and guilt 
surrounding prayer because we only see it as this activity that you need to do three times a day or before every meal or once when you wake up and once when you're going to sleep. Like we have so much performance around prayer that we forget that everything can be an act of prayer. Everything can be us seeking God's presence. Everything can be, Lord, I need to be where you're telling me to be because then you'll be there and you'll be speaking to me and I'll be experiencing you and even just being where you are brings me healing. Prayer is alignment because God is so good at caring for us and teaching us how to get past all of the performance and experience presence with him. To just sit where he routinely sits. To just look at his face. One of the, Moses at Mount Sinai looked at God's back. And just that view filled him with so much glory that from then on he had to wear a veil over his face because they were so uncomfortable at looking at him and what that did to him. But we are new covenant people. God opens us up because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We can get that presence every day of our lives. And it's not always that easy. I know that it is not always that easy. There's no formula to prayer. There's no formula to presence. Just because I say these words, it doesn't mean that every moment I spend in glory with him. Uh, but it can be the pursuit of our lives. To be with the Father who loves us, who trains us, who teaches us, who cares for us, who brings us healing. And who knows the beginning from the end and knows how all of this is going and can bring us into glory. Right after this, in chapter 15, Jesus brings this up again. John chapter 14 and 15 work hand in hand, and it's Jesus teaching his people how to pray. I just wanted to read uh, the first seven verses of John 15. It says this. It says, I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking again. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you have been clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he is that that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and, is, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Again, he speaks about prayer in this way that none of us are capable of really getting. Ask him. Whatever you want, and it will be given to you. That's also because prayer is an aligning the Lord. It's because after time of being with the Father who loves you, after time of asking him, Lord, bring me to where you want to bring me. Lord, heal me from the inside out. You start to look more like Christ. And when you start to look more like Christ, you become more like him and ask prayer prayers that you know are truly genuine in him because it comes out of a place of intimacy. Uh, I, like, I am consumed with this idea of us forming a people 
we just go to God for everything, with all of our hearts, with all of our honesty, with everything that we have in our hearts, and saying, Lord, mold me, align me, make me into the parts, into the people that you have called me to be, who you have made me to be. Like a chiropractor that snaps things back into place, that puts everything in the right place, like, Lord, do that work in my heart and in my soul. Form me. You are God, and I am not. Two stories back-to-back here in the Gospel of John that just reinforce that if we give God our whole hearts and our whole lives, and if we pursue him in intimacy and in prayer, and if we, like Jesus, get away to be with him often with our whole hearts, then we start to look more like him, and our prayers become more effective because we pray the prayers that he is praying, just like we talked about last week. And so the worship team can come up. I want to remind us of our definition of prayer. Prayer is an act of listening to God that moves us towards God's presence, permission, and ultimately an experience of eternal life. Uh, In John 15, he goes on to say this. He goes on to say why prayer is good and not bad, because you might be hearing me say, you know what, you're just not good enough, let God change you, and though that is the truth, this is why it is beautiful. In verse 15, it says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friend, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. This master that we are chasing after, this Lord who we say created everything and loves everyone and calls everyone, he came so that we would have intimacy with him, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, so that he would no longer be just our master, but also our friend. Everything that Jesus heard from the Father, he gave to us. We have this book with these four Gospels in particular of what he did so that we would know what God looks like, this invisible spirit, this uncaused causer, this uncreated creating God who we would have never truly known what he's like. We get him in Jesus and we see what he cares about. We see how he forms us. We see how he brought us mercy and grace. We see that he saved us not by commanding us, but by giving us his love, by calling us to be who we were born, who he made us to be, forming us in our mother's wombs. And so it is not an oppressive call to be, hey, align yourself to God because you're not good enough. We truly are all not good enough, but he's the one who comes alongside of us and loves us and teaches us along the way. One of the things that I absolutely love about the ministry of prayer, praying for someone else, prayer for someone's experience with the Lord, is because it's so imperfect. Because we have so many avenues of messing up all the time, and God is good and gracious to deal with our every mistake. Uh, Really quick, a couple of years ago, I was praying for this college student, and she comes up to me, and she's like, I just really want to know if the Lord is telling me to stop baking not. And in the moment, I did not understand that she was talking about smoking weed. And I prayed for like five minutes about her pursuing a job as a baker. (laughs) I missed it. 
I miss the moment. And that makes me laugh to this day. But God is good, and he is gracious to cover when we don't have the right words for him. Because prayer is not just the words that we give him. Prayer is our heart and our posture, our pursuit of intimacy, our pursuit of saying, Lord, form me because I am not good enough. Take me and mold me because I know that I am broken, and you know how to piece me back together. And so let's worship this God who comes to listen to us, for us to go and listen to him, because even just being in the room with him changes your life forever. And so let's worship him. Please rise with us as we reflect on what...